Well, um, this could very well be the most awkward podcast we're ever going to do because um, I'm here by myself and we're going to have to call in Lena and our guest speaker today. So, um, because she is um, losing it, clearly. So we're going to give Lena a call and get her on here. But uh, we have a really cool guest in store with us today and can't wait to hear from him. And so we'll give Lena a call and get her on here and then we'll call him. So we'll see how this works. This is Lena. Oh, hi, Lena. (laughs) Hi. Thanks for joining us today. You know, I would like to start off with saying I'm sorry. And it's not the first time I've messed up, and it probably won't be the last time. I uh, literally, I was like, okay, Lena is never late. So did you nope, go in the ditch again or what's going on? Could have been a possibility. Could have been a possibility. It's not. And I feel like with who we're talking to, the expectations, the bar set high. Oh, yeah, it is. And yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I, I don't even know what, yeah, I, I can't even begin to apologize enough. I am sorry from the bottom of my heart. Well, I'm going to introduce him first and then we're going to give him a call. So today we have in studio or not in studio with us. We're going to call him. Um, I already, I already said a few things before I called Julian to get on here because I'm like, this is so awkward. I've never been in the studio by myself. Oh my God. This is the worst. Some people. It's okay. Some co-host. Right. Um, So the person that we have, um, I'm going to give him a call, but just to do a little quick um, introduction of him. His name is Chad Evans. He's from Ogden, Utah. His, I mean, his resume, Lena doesn't know him. I know him. So he's a guest that I asked to be on here and he's been wanting to be on here since we started. And I mean, his resume is, is huge. He's been a football coach for 13 years, a baseball coach for 12 years. Uh, He has two wonderful children, two stepchildren. He was a college golfer and he still plays today. He's still a competitive golfer. He has done, he's competed in sporting clays for seven years He's a team roper. He's a cutter. Um, And he also trained hunting, hunting and field trial dogs, which I'll have to double check on that for 12 years Um, on his baseball team that he coached. He had nine boys on his baseball team that played division one. And then he had several players that played college football and one that's played in the NFL. So, I mean, he is a jack of all trades. And I mean, the man really, (laughs) he has tons of wisdom. So um, let's give him a call. You still there, Lena? Sounds good. Okay. I am still here. This is, we're just really, we're just really seeing if this equipment can handle all of this. Here we go. Hey, Coach. Way to go. Oh, hey, Chad. How's it going? It's going well. How are you? Oh, good. Uh, So, Uh, Chad, Chad, I would like to apologize. I am merely the co-host and to my defense, I was in the ditch for about 20 minutes a, little, a while ago this morning on Valentine's Day. So in it's my fault. In the ditch. I got stuck in the ditch. It actually happened, and then my husband had to leave work and come get me. Well, Valentine's, so, Valentine's Day is overrated anyway. So. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I apologize. It's very much my fault. I'm very sorry. No, yes, no worries. Because we were going to no call you. when we talked. When we talked yesterday, I thought you were going to call me. It was going to be noon my time, so it's fine. I don't know. What's the time difference there? Yeah, I said 11 your time. You said yes. 
Yeah. I was just thinking it was the other way. So not your problem, mine. Well, um, I Lena is never late, and so I'm like, okay, yeah, we'll call you in five I'm minutes. Not. And Lena, yep, no mm-hmm. show. Nope, still at home, scared, <laughs> nope. scared to get back out on the road. Still waiting no for someone to come pick me up. Okay, Chad, so we already did a little introduction of you. I kind of told everybody your whole resume, but here's the fun story about Chad, and then, Chad, we're going to ask you some random questions. So Chad and I, um, actually, Chad, can you tell the story of how you and I met? Yeah, um, yeah, well, actually, I can. So you, I was looking for a horse at the time, and you had an ad on, I think it was Barrel Horse World or somewhere, somewhere I would never look, actually, and saw the horse, called you, um, this is going to be the Reader's Digest version, but called you up. We ended up um, ended up buying the horse, um, a really nice horse. Um, and we that's how we first started talking, and then we started talking about volleyball because uh, my daughter was just basically learning how to play um, for the most part. And we started talking about that. Um, and <clears throat> as Clay can tell you, that I, I'm either crazy or you are because – we got talking, and I decided on a whim to send my daughter down to Texas to some individual that I'd never met in person, actually. And so I put her on an airplane and flew her down, and um, Coach took her to lots of different places, different colleges. Um, you were coaching club volleyball, if I remember at the time. And so, yeah, that's kind of the Reader's Digest version of how it happened. We talked on the phone a few times, and then, Um, It wasn't when we were talking about colleges for her to go play. Um, I still remember where I was standing when you called and said, hey, I'm going to get it. (laughs) Sorry, I might get emotional. (laughs) You're good. Um, Yeah, when you you called and said, hey, I I found a place for your daughter to play volleyball. And I'm like, oh, yeah, where's that? And you're like, "Um, just a little town in Nebraska. So you explained McCook to me. And when I asked you about the coach, you started – you know, telling me a little bit about the coach. And I'm like, well, what's her name? And you said, well, actually, it's me. And so, yeah, that's that's kind of how it all happened. Um, it's a really weird turn of events, actually. Yeah, it was it's such a crazy situation. And, yeah, so Brooklyn Evans, Lena, you know Brooklyn. She came and ended up playing here. Yep. And it mm-hmm. all started because of a horse deal. Just, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a crazy thing. Um Chad, though, and, uh, go. I, I've had a lot of people ask me, how do you put your daughter on a plane, fly her to Texas, to somebody that technically you don't know? And the only thing that I've ever attributed it to is most people that deal with horses, and I will say most because not all, most people have a, a different sense of integrity. And I just, you know what, I've, I've dealt with people my whole working career and stuff like that. I had a really good feeling about it. And, yeah, that's how it started. And, um, everything that she told me about the horse was accurate. And so you just get a, uh, just get a good feeling about something. And then after when, after Brooklyn came back, it was such a good experience for her because, you know, growing up in Utah, you're pretty sheltered anyway, but getting to go to, you know, getting to go to Texas and see a different side of the world and, and a different level. It just opened a lot of doors for us that we're truly grateful for. Mm-hmm. Lena, do you have anything? Well, I think that says so much. I mean, just as me being a mom of girls, the level of trust there, that's huge. And 
I'm glad that it happened for all of you because the relationships that get started and then come full circle with something like that. And for us to have the opportunity to have her here in our community was amazing. So thank you for sharing her. Yeah, no, no problem. And um, yeah, Brooklyn's <laughs> Brooklyn's not like most girls because she, she, uh, and I think coach would attribute to this, like her growing up with me as a Oh, Chad, are you there? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I can, yeah. I can hear you now. Oh, yeah. I, I just said that Brooklyn growing up as me as her dad probably wasn't that easy. I'm, um, I'm, not, the, I'm, not, the, I'm not the everything's going to be okay dad, so. It's, yeah, you're the, you're the dad it that t- like it. T- tells it like it is and made, made her have all the stuff that she has and uh she was yeah she was a great player we could sit here and talk we could just do a whole episode on brooklyn and all of her stories um but that so you know in the process of brooklyn coming here then i got to learn uh meet you know learn about chad more and i come to find out like all these things that he's done and he always had like such good words of wisdom to me as a coach even though he was a parent he never would talk to me in regards to his daughter it was more or less me being a coach for my team and, you know, most parents today, like if any parent comes up to a college coach, they're talking to you because of their child, but not Chad. Right. And so that's when I was like, wait, like, what is your background? So, Chad, um, what what did you coach first, football or baseball? Um, so I, I actually started with baseball first because when – so Brooklyn's older brother, Trevor, they're nine years apart. <clears throat> when he started playing um, – so I – I just started coaching because I, I played high school baseball. So I started coaching and, and was really fortunate because I got tied into some really good people locally that I had met. Our kids were playing together. So it kind of started that way. Um, started as a little city group of kids here that grew up playing t-ball and kind of against each other. And then the Rocky Mountain School of Baseball had started here, which was kind of the start of travel baseball, if you will. And we started putting a group together that we're all going to go to high school together. And then as things evolved and kids went different directions, when he was about 11 or 12, um, started like we started getting invitations and, and opportunities to go play on different teams as you know, that's kind of the, the world of sports has kind of gone that way. Me growing up, I only played with the kids that I went to elementary school with, then to junior high, then to high school. These kids now, they, they play all over just because of the level of competition. But so as things evolved, it, it ended up going different directions that way. And then when the kids were all 16, we, we created a team called the Utah Select, which was team, a team that we would actually take on the road and go to Florida and Georgia and different areas to play. And it, it was probably one of – it was one of the – it was, it was a great experience just because of the group of guys that were together and the kids that got to play together. And, and I, I, there was nine kids off that team that went and played division one baseball. It, it was a special group of kids. Some of them are still either coaching in the major leagues or coaching college. And so it, th- that was, that was awesome. Um, and then I started coaching football, I guess. I know I coached football for 13 years. And my first three were probably the hardest three years ever because it just never seemed like I could ever get over the hump. And, you know, it, it when I look back at it, some of it was we would lose and there would maybe be 
excuses as to why. And so I, it kind of turned into one of those things that, you know, the, you know, you, you just have to outwork everybody else. That, that was kind of the mentality. And so um, after, after my son was done with football, I wasn't quite done. And so I actually went back and got another group of kids, coached them, took the, a city there to their first mini bowl that we won in three overtimes against a team that had never had a loss ever. Um, that was probably that, – that was a big moment, I, I felt like. Um, and then I, I had the opportunity to go back and get um, – and get another group of kids that I started with as seventh graders. So I had them seventh, eighth, and ninth grade. And that group of kids never lost a football game. It was, um, it was. I would love to say it was my coaching, but it was such a good group of kids that bought into a system, and it, it um, it, it was just a very, a very good group of kids. But the one thing, and I think this is kind of what you're talking about, coach, is. I had so many parent problems in the beginning that I learned that I learned to dislike the parents so much that I would, I, I set rules that they could only talk to me on Tuesday nights after practice with an appointment, their kid had to be present, that kind of thing. And it was crazy how many times it wasn't the kids that were upset. It was just the parents. And so I think that's probably where it comes back to coaching. Coaching is, is supposed to be not about the parents, it's supposed to be about the kids. So. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I don't know. That's, um, so did you ever like have a conversation like within those like Tuesday meetings that like was really tough or something that made you grow into a better coach? Um, yeah, so I do remember one really well. I remember a mom coming and, um, she was, she was really upset about, um, what they're all upset about, you know, why isn't my kid the quarterback or why isn't he running the ball? Um, and I made that rule really early on to have the kids present. And it happened to be the year that Nick Vigil, who's, I think he just finished up, he finished up with the Cardinals this year. I don't know where he'll be next year. Anyway, he's been in the NFL for five or six years. And I remember, I remember the mom being like, I think my kid deserves to play here or he should be getting more time here. And I remember the kid saying, well, mom, and she's like, oh, you know, I don't, and I don't remember his name, and if I did, I wouldn't say it. But um, I remember him saying, Mom, like, and he um, he doesn't, he only yells at the kids that he likes, and I'm okay with him yelling at me to get better. But I remember him specifically saying, he yells at Nick Vigil more than the rest of us, and nobody deserves more playing time than he does. I'm happy with what I'm getting. And the mom just sitting there looking at him, and I'm like, so is the problem you or the problem him? And it's, I made all my kids actually come together. Like the team thing, and you know this coach, the team thing for me is way bigger than the individual thing. And that's why when she went there and I remember the call Brooklyn made to me and said, I'm probably not going to be a starter. And, and I, I specifically remember saying to her, then you need to work harder. And her saying, well, I'm working hard. I work as hard as the person that's starting. And I, I remember specifically saying to her you've got to outwork them and be that much better now to get an opportunity so don't call me anymore with your problems until you've done something about it and I remember her crying and she'll be mad that I said that but she was super upset but when you get to college and you're at that level every kid was the best kid on their high school team or 
somewhere else. And so it becomes one of those things in life where, you know, one of the things I've used a lot is you guys are all going to go to a job interview and you're not all going to get a trophy. So they're going to pick one of you. You're going to have to take that, move on, and go to the next one. So I hope that answered your question. Yeah. Lena, do you have anything? (laughs) That's huge. What do you think Chad schools can do, like ADs, high school coaches? How can we address the parenting problem? You know, so I, I think it really comes down to having some rules and some bylaws. And, you know, it's so my son coaches football I help him now and he deals with similar problems right and Brooklyn now is coaching her very first club team and I did the same thing I just told her you have to have a meeting you have to you have to address how that'll be handled because and I believe this some parents I coached high school baseball for a while and I so I've seen it at the high school level it's it's the parents I hope I can say this and it's okay, but parents entitling their children to things they haven't earned. And, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, we, we learn more from not getting what we want or not winning than we do from winning or having mom and dad make a phone call and getting their way. And, and unfortunately, I don't know that it ever goes away. I think it's just a matter of the, I think the really good programs, and the, and the coaches who have some longevity have figured it out. I think it's a hard dynamic because people are trying to make everyone happy. And mm-hmm. when you're playing a competitive sport, you know, there's only so much room on the, on the field or on the court for so many starters. And so, you know, sometimes I, I think it, I think it's parenting more than anything. Sometimes it's a matter of watching the kid that's on the bench that's not playing. How are they reacting? You know, what is their role? That's even interviewing people today for jobs. And I interviewed somebody the other day that actually played volleyball and she didn't start. So I just asked, so what was your role on the team? You're not a starter. What was your role? And it was interesting, the dynamic that, that they that they gave me because their role was to be, you know, to lift people up when they were down and wait for their turn and be prepared when they went on the court to play. So um, I think it just depends on, I think it's parenting. I don't know that, I don't know that there's a something as far as like an AD goes or anything, how you fix that other than having a bylaw for them to follow and, and a clear understanding. I think that's where people get in trouble. They don't have a clear understanding of what is expected. Right. That's good. I think one of the things Lena also with Chad is like his, like I, I'm, I, I hope I'm like, half like when I have volleyball players and they're just great human beings I'm like okay what are what are their parents doing differently you know like that I can learn something from and Chad and he said this earlier like but he always had difficult conversations with his daughter Brooklyn like it wasn't it wasn't roses and puppies like if it wasn't going well like Brooklyn didn't get to call her dad and complain like a lot of a lot of players do they call and then you know their parent Mm -hmm. they've their parents are upset for them and but like Chad he would be like point blank tell her what it was like and I know this because Brooklyn would be like not talking to Chad for a little bit and she'd be like well we're fighting and I'm not talking to him and I'm like you know because he told her something she didn't want to hear you know she wanted like um you're the best you got this babe you know and he didn't give her that he just told her exactly how it was but in the long run Brooklyn was like not even just volleyball wise but like as a human 
She's a way better human because of it. Because he didn't oh, coddle well, her. You and I, well, you and I have talked before, you know, on the podcast about how so much growth happens in the struggle. Mm-hmm. And so many parents just don't want to allow their kids to have a struggle. They want to make it easy. They don't want to see them cry. They don't want to see them, you know, hurt, run down. And so they just want to like pick them up and not let them sit in that for a minute yep. and find themselves and, and find their strengths to overcome it. And that's the sad part because there is so much learning and so much growth in the struggle. Mm-hmm. And then Chad, I remember one time Brooklyn got in trouble. <laughs> she still remembers this. And like, you know, most parents, like I actually, during this time I had one, one player whose parents kind of went off the handle because I was like, you, this is what you have to do, be, you know, to earn my trust and respect back. And Chad called me and he's like, you treat her like she was your own child. Uh, so oh, I did. Matter of, fact, matter of fact, I believe the conversation was you make sure she gets the max penalty and she follows through to the last hour. Yeah. She, oh. she hung out with me and Clay for like a day. That poor girl. Mm. Well, it was more, let's be honest. It was more than a day and there was a lot of, there was a lot of labor intensive work, which I appreciated. Yeah, it was, it was more than a day. It was like a hundred hours worth of stuff to say the least. It was. And then I, rem- I remember when she came home over Christmas and said, um, I can do some of my hours at home. And I said, yeah, your hours here don't count. Yep. Yep. Oh. He did say that. Oh, dad. Yeah. They all were with me. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Gosh. She was great. Great though. Uh, I, well, I don't know what class you can call this, Cobes, though, that Chad could do for parents, but um, I feel like there could be one. Uh, yeah, no. Yeah. What, <laughs> Chad needs to start <laughs> his own podcast stuff. called the Parent yeah, 101 exactly. Podcast. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, problem, the, the problem is, is being a good parent. And, and here's the thing. I'm not a great parent. I, 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 I had great parents. Um, and to, to, there's no here's the crappy part about kids is they come out. And there's no manual that comes with them, right? There's nothing. So, yeah. you know, it's our responsibility to try to raise good human beings. And I can't tell you how many kids have dated boys, have dated Brooklyn, and said, uh, and one of them is one of them still works for me. And I remember him coming to me and saying, not sure I appreciate the way you raised your daughter because she doesn't need a guy. And I said, well, then I did my job. And I, he like knows how to handle, you know, if she has to go to the dealership. As a matter of fact, I remember the first time Brooklyn bought a car and I went to the credit union and I told the lady, I said, Hey, she's going to come in and she's going to, she's buying a car and she's going to co-sign. And she's like, well, all I need is, is her signature. I can handle the rest. And I said, no, I want you to make her jump through every hoop. I want you to make her fill out the application. I want everything done correctly. I want her insurance in place, like all of it. And I still remember Brooklyn, and you call it the struggle, calling me. They want all this stuff, and I'm like, well, do it. Like, you want the car, do it. And so it's one of those things where if you if we don't do the, the hard things now, then you're going to, you know, I wanted to raise my kids to be self-sufficient. And, and fortunately, I have that they are that way. And so, but. You either do the work early or you do it for the, I know parents that are still, I mean, their kids are in their thirties and forties and they're still depending on their parents and, you know, call it whatever you want. I didn't want that. Yeah. Wow. Agreed. 
So, Agreed. So Chad, um, I always like to think, and I think Lena's this way, and I know you're the same way. So like, after like I met you, I'm like, okay, why is Chad the way that he is? Now you tell me if I'm on the right track or not. So like, I've really, I feel like everything that you've done, you've been very successful in many different avenues of life. Okay. For instance, uh, dog training, like, did you do trials or like field? What did you do with labs? Yeah. Yeah. I ran field trials and I actually, I was the youngest eight point judge in the, in the country when I was 24. Yeah, like, um, so I was ju- judging major events by myself at 24. Um, I started that venture. It only took me about two or three years to get to be, be a uh, eight point judge, which I know guys in their fifties, sixties, have been training 20 years that aren't eight point judges. And so, but, it's because I'm lucky. That's what everybody tells me. God, you're just lucky. No, well, like, cause like every I can t- go, sorry. Yeah. I can tell you this. I can tell you there's a recipe for success and, um, and I believe this wholeheartedly and I don't mean this, to, I don't mean this to come across arrogant because it's not, because I'm not that talented. Um, but when I take an interest in something, I, I truly take an interest in, learning everything I can about it from, and, and I've, I've learned how to shortcut the system, if you will. Um, so when I started training dogs, I went to, I, I am pretty observant. I looked to see who the best were. Um, I would go, I would go train with them and not even train my own dog just so that I could watch because I was trying to take it all in. And, um, as, as that evolved and I started learning more, I started going to California for a couple of weeks every year and training with the best guy that I'd developed a relationship down there. And yeah, it's grunt work. It's hard. And, you know, I got my hands dirty and I dug in and learned and I, and I journaled a lot. Then I, I kept lots of journals and I recorded lots of conversations. I read lots of books. I couldn't, I could never get enough. If I was if it was something that um, I, I wanted, it didn't matter if it was a, a hobby or anything. I just wanted to learn as much as I could about it. And and it becomes, it really comes down, you know, as you get a little older and look back in life, you know, knowledge is so powerful because, and, and networking, those are the things like, I, I have people come all the time. It's like, yeah, I'd like to be good at that too. And I'm like, well, this is, it's, it's not that hard. You, you've got to get with the right people. You've got to ask the right questions and you've got to be assertive, but you've got to be willing to put in the work. And so, yeah, as even like when I, you know, I shortcutted a lot of things. When I started shooting sporting clays, instead of, I, I shot locally for a year and I never got better. I never moved classes. I stayed at a D or a C class for the, for, for a solid year. And I loved it. Loved shooting. I mean, everybody likes shooting to a point, you know, but I was like, I wanted to get better. So, I booked a I booked a ticket to Houston, Texas, and went and um, took a two day course from a world champion. And he literally took my time, my learning curve from years and years and years to weeks. And and part of me going down there was I asked to help put a training program together. Like, what should I be doing? How often should I be practicing? Those types of things. And then. You know, I started traveling with a local guy here by the name of Josh Noble, who was actually a lot younger than I was, but he was an All-American, and and he's been a good friend of mine for a long, long time, and probably the only person I think I beat him one time, and I shot for seven years, but it was I was chasing him the whole time, and that was, you know, I have a I have a poster, well not a poster, but a board in my tack room that says 
you know, addicted to the process of getting better. And that's, that's just how I've approached it all. It's like, you've, you've got to, you just got to have a goal and some people aren't real goal oriented, but it was more the goal of working at it, not a goal to win something. Yeah. And then along with that, then he also, he's a competitive, he he still competes in golf. And so like, and for me, I'm like, everything he does is like an individual thing. It's like all, it's all him. And you know, like what can he do to make himself better? And, um, like, did you play team sports back in the day? I did. I, um, yeah, I played football my whole life growing up. Um, actually I played football through my sophomore year and I was one of those guys that was super blessed because I was a 4'11", 99 pound sophomore. And so I was, sorry, did you say (laughs) 4'11"? I did. I was, I have a pro, I, I still have a program. My mom has it. Yeah, I was a 4'11", 99-pound sophomore that ran the beer. And oh had we gosh. had concussion, if we'd had concussion protocol, I promise you I wouldn't have got to play because I, 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 I got hit every day. Poor little and guy. So, oh, geez. So, yeah, the, and so my junior year, we had switched coaches, and I had grown a little bit. But my junior year, I'd switched coaches, and it was to the point where um, I was too small. I mean, the reality of it was, is I was just too small. And so I, um, so I quit, I quit, I, I actually quit, turned my stuff in and quit. I did not tell my parents, pretended like I was going to football still. And, <gasps> and my dad gets a phone call, you know, this is just barely prior to cell phones a lot earlier. And my dad gets a phone call and it's the head football coach. And so he comes in and says, um, I just talked to Fred Thompson and it sounds like you're not on the football team anymore. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, um, I, I was going to talk to you about that, which I promise oh. I didn't want to. And so, um, he said, well, I'll see you Monday at work then. And I'm like, what do you mean you'll see me Monday at work? And he goes, well, if you're not playing a sport, you need to be working. And he was a contractor. And so that meant work and it didn't mean easy work. It meant I, I knew at which direction this was going. And so if, if any of you know, there's three sports in the fall in high school, there's football, cross country and golf. And I had played one round of golf in my life, I think prior to this. And so oh my goodness. I, I went to the golf coach and said, Hey, what do I got to do to be on the golf team? And he said, <laughs> well, we don't really cut anybody, but like, you know, at that point in time, he's like, you can come and be on the golf team, but, like, have you played? And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I think I'm going to be okay. So my, my, my junior year, I go to golf practice, and I was horrible. And I, and I, I mean, sincerely mean not good. Like, I, my first nine holes I think I ever played, I shot 62, and I probably cheated a few strokes to get to there. And so <laughs> I – and I, t- I tell this story because it's rather embarrassing, but about the end of my junior year, I started actually getting good enough that it wasn't completely embarrassing. I was walking down the hall, and the coach was walking the other direction, and I just said, hey, coach, and he goes, hey, do you um, have your golf clubs with you? And I said, yeah, why? And he goes, because there's a, the city-county tournaments today at the country club, and one of our players is ineligible for grades. And he goes, and I don't have time to find somebody else. So I'm like – well, I don't even have a shirt. Like, I didn't even have the color shirt that we wore. And he's like, I have a shirt in my office. Just get your stuff and meet me at the van. So 
met him oh, at the van. Gosh. Yeah, I met him at the van. We go to the country club. And I'll never forget, they're writing the scores down on the thing. And I shot 52-52-104. And it was the worst score on the board. And everybody's standing around. And, you know, kids are mean anyway, but they're teasing. Holy cow, who shot 104? And I was sitting there completely embarrassed, trying to, trying to hold back, like, getting upset. And I remember sitting in the van on the way back to the school, getting teased by my own team because, you know, I mean, I probably would have done that too. Um, but I vowed to myself right then that that will never happen again. And I did not miss a day practicing from that point to the next year that the, the school started. And when we had our first qualifying, I think I shot three or four under and a couple of the kids accused me of cheating. So the next day the coach went and played with me. And and I'll, I'll never forget him telling me, you don't improve this much without doing something. Who did you go see? What did you do? And the only thing I did was I had one of the kids that I played with that was the best kid on our team and I actually played college golf with him. He he helped me and we went everywhere. But I played every day. I, I shoveled snow to play. I practiced in some form every day because I loved it, but because I didn't want to go through that again. And so that year I ended up winning region. Um, I, I actually walked onto the college team after that year, but I, I, I worked at it. So when I hear people say, well, that's, you know, that's too hard or I can't do it. I'm like, it's not too hard and you can do it. You just have to be willing to put in the effort. And, you know, you brought up the, did I play team sports? I steal team rope and I still get frustrated when I let my partner down. And so, but as far as working at something and, and achieving it, it's just a matter of wanting it bad enough. Yeah. It's such a well wealth said. of knowledge, yeah. right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So then I feel so, like I'll have to sit and listen to this over and over and over again. And then, so then Chad, so he's, he's done golf, he's done all these things. And then he started this other new hobby, team roping. And, uh, yeah. at, the age, at, the, at the age of 40, which was like, what are you thinking? Yeah. And like team roping is, t I mean, he's kind of like John Cook, really, you know, John Cook thinks he's a cowboy now. So, uh, but I think another reason that Chad, he's also successful in the team roping, like, you know, he sold some really big horses, big horses, like for a lot of money, um, but then it's all like it's all what's between the ears, and he has that patience, and he and he has that mentality. Um, that's why I mean I always say it's all mental, and like Chad clearly knows how to do that. But so how did you get into yeah. team roping? Like what what happened there? I mean, because that's like watching um, paint dry. So I'm really curious. I, I, right, I yeah. know. So so I actually grew up on I grew up on horses. So and I played sports. My little sister was Miss Rodeo Utah and did all that stuff. Um, so I, ha I got hauled everywhere to all the rodeos and stuff. And I rode some rough stock when I was younger. Um, my dad put me on that stuff when I was super young. And like I said, we had horses and they didn't really have high school rodeo back then, um, in our area. And so I, and, and, you know, we really, we, we didn't have, my parents didn't have, my dad was a contractor and things were tough. So we had to pick, you know, I, so I did the horse thing growing up. So I didn't have to really learn how to ride. I say that I truly did not know how to ride. Um, when Heidi and I started, um, when we started dating, 
um, I had some friends that had started team roping and stuff. And so I decided to, um, I decided it looked fun. So I thought I'd give it a try and, um, same deal though. Right. I mean, what could be harder than that to learn? So I went to Arizona. Um, I was down there working and I went to a jackpot cause I, I liked watching it at the time. Like, and so I went to Dynamite Arena in Arizona, and I was sitting there watching, and I'd never even seen anybody tied on before. And um, the Vermidals were roping together. It was a husband-wife team, and he roped the heels. And when it came tight, he was tied on. And I, I remember, I, I guess I must have said it out loud, but I was like, what the hell was that? And a, a guy looked at me that was standing down the way just to the left of me on the fence and said, you never seen a guy tied on before? And I'm like, no, I haven't actually. And he walked down and he put his hand out and said, hi, I'm Mike Beers. And um, I go, yeah, I met Mike Beers at the Ogden Rodeo with D. Pickett. You don't look like him. And he goes, no, Mike Beers. And he pointed out his shirt, said Mike Beers team roping school. He goes, I teach a school just down the road. He said, you should come down. So I went down in the morning and two weeks later, I had my first lesson on a borrowed horse. And he ended up finding, helping me find my first horse. And I went to him, I don't know how many times, but, you know, team roping is, team roping is as clicky as any girl's sport I've ever seen. And I don't mean that. <laughs> That's no joke. But it's bad. And the really good team ropers don't want anybody new or young around. They have no business. They just don't want them around. And, and it's, it's funny because I team rope now with kids that were high school rodeoing that were teasing me when I started and they know who they are. So I won't put their names on here. Chase Sanders. He works for me so I can say that, but they, they teased me because I wasn't very good, but team roping is the hardest thing that I've ever tried to learn how to do. And the worst part was I even, I started as a healer, but you can't, there's not enough time in the day or enough hours. Like it, it is something that truly takes a, a long time and a lot of work and, it's um it's very rewarding and i've been very fortunate i think i won my first saddle after i'd been roping like six months and when i called mike beers and told him i won a u.s rope and he's like i have guys that i've been teaching for 10 years that have never won one and you want to talk about pressure a nine i won my first saddle with a nine-year-old kid who walked up and said my dad thinks we're high call so make sure you're ready oh my gosh 40 no pressure yeah, and I'm 40, and this little shit's like, you know, telling me that, yeah, make sure you're ready. Yeah, don't mess and, up. Yeah, so. I think I learned more yeah. about team roping listening to the Patrick Smith um, podcast here on Dale Brisby. Have you listened to that? Yeah. That is. No. It is so good, and he kind of explains the same thing, and uh, his team roping story is pretty crazy. Okay, what is the toughest thing that you've ever had to deal with? Like, what is, like, the biggest thing? Um, that like wrecked you emotionally and you had to build yourself out of it. Really? You're going to ask yeah, me Yeah, you know what? No, let's not do that. I was just thinking no, about it's that. It's okay. It's okay. okay. I'm in a good, I'm in a good place. Okay. Um, yeah. So two years ago, I guess been about two and a half years ago. Um, you know, you have, you have things that happen to you that, um, that, you know, you just uh, are kind of, out of your control or you know you can't even when i cut my thumb off partially team roping it, it wasn't it wasn't it, it wasn't a huge um 
it was hard and you know going through all that stuff but but it wasn't it wasn't life or death um you know and and coach you know this but two and a half years ago um, my wife at the time had a stroke and they told us that she'd live for four days she had four to ten days so making phone calls getting brooklyn back home you know coordinating that watching someone go through and struggle what she did probably has been the and she she's a warrior she is um the stroke changed her a bunch you know she they created a bleed when they went in to to remove the stroke but you know she lives in idaho now she she goes to the gym three days a week she she's a warrior she is she's taught me more about adversity than anything watching what she's gone through but the the life change that it made and you know some of it some of it for the better some of it for the worse um but going to bed one day having your life one one way and then waking up the next day and having it completely different um probably was one of the biggest things as far as like changing a person um i i don't take days for granted anymore um and I tell people at work all the time, this can change tomorrow. This can change in an hour. Um, you know, I didn't even know how to spell stroke, let alone know what it meant. Um, and it's, um, it's, been, it's been probably one of the biggest life-changing things that I've ever been through, even though it wasn't me. Um, and her and I are still really good friends to this day. Um, but... It, it's changed the way I look at a lot of things. It's changed the relationship I have with my kids, my grandkids. It's changed the relationship I have with my parents. Um, I, I truly took um, those type of things for granted um, from a life standpoint. So I, I would say from a, from a level of, you know, life-changing events, that's probably been the biggest one because when you look at it like that, nothing's really, you know, nothing's that big a deal when you've had to deal with something like that um so yeah i think i would get into more detail with you but it would emotionally it'd be tough for me lena i there's no words in all that that's i mean you know it's, it's so important for people to realize there's so many more things important that it comes down to a matter of life, you know, and the people close to you. And sometimes there's just nothing else to say after what you just shared. I mean, that's huge. And mm -hmm. thank you for feeling, I guess, safe and comfortable enough to, to share that. Cause that, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, no, no worries. It's, um, you know what it's, I, I, so, so, you know, you, you talk to people all the time and people are like, I've had people, I've, I have people that don't know the story, right. Or they don't know about me and they'll be like, well, you don't know what real problems are. And, and I'm mm -hmm. like, yeah, you, you, you know, you're right. Um, I don't know what your problems are, but I know what real problems can be, but we just, you know, after seeing what I've seen and, and, you know, even dealing with, with kids on a regular basis and stuff, and coaching and, you know, with employees and stuff, it's, it's one of those things where, and here's the thing, you know, I, I have bad days too. Um, and, you know, going through different things in life that, that cause adversity and different things, 
I'm not I'm not special. Like I I deal with I deal with my emotions just like everybody else does. Um, I've gotten to the point now where I, I really try to open up and at least talk about some of them because those are hard things to do, you know. Um, but it's every, everybody has their own problems, and and so even when people have problems, I always look at them and go, "We really don't know what they're going through. We don't know." I mean. I promise I've done a pretty good job of hiding a lot of stuff for, for years. And, um, you know, you, you do the best you can to get through them. And, you know, I don't want to make this podcast super heavy, but you know, we, none of us know what our trials are in this life. We just get up every day and, you know, put one foot in the front, front of the other. And just, I, my, my goal is to be better tomorrow than I was today. That, that, that's my goal. Perfectly said. Agreed. Agreed. Um, to kind of finish, kind of finish this up. Also, you're the president of Roper Buildings, right? Yeah. Yep. I've been there for the last year. Before that, I was with a general contractor for 22 years. Which uh, I love all the posts and stuff. Like they, they do all sorts of cool things, Lena. They like do barn dominiums and barns and. Um, oh, awesome! Yeah. One, maybe one day you can come build us a house up in Nebraska, Chad. There you go. Yeah. Come visit the good life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, just, just include, you got to just include us a little mini studio in your. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Closer yeah, to okay. McCook, yep. though. Okay. Closer to McCook. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Go okay. ahead. Okay. Yep. Um, nice. To finish, finish off some, we're going to finish with some questions. Chad, if you've listened to this, we kind of asked the same questions. But um, first and foremost, how do you take your caffeine? Um, so <laughs> I quit all the energy drinks other oh. than. I, I know I was Bless. to the point where I, yeah. So I, um, I don't drink much caffeine. I've, um, and it was the hardest thing that I ever like got rid of, but it's, so it's not much caffeine for me anymore. Occasionally I, if I'm going to have, if I'm going to, if I'm going to dive into that, I usually drink a white monster. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. All right, Lena, your turn. Are you watching anything right now? Do you have time for TV? Yeah, you know, actually, yeah, and um, I will, so obviously I'm like the other 14 million people that watch Yellowstone, but because, so. <laughs> except Ailey. Except, except me, Kosa. I'm the only one. <laughs> well, so so Jake that's in the bunkhouse is actually a friend of mine. He, um, he trains cutting horses down in Utah County, and. I've sold a horse to those guys, so I get to see my brand on the t- on the show once in a while. What? So. No way! Oh, that's awesome! That's amazing! That's I didn't even well, know that. Real, yeah, it's really not that amazing. It's, it's kind of cool. The horse that I that I sold. It is cool when you get to see him, or you know. But it's um, it's it's definitely made for TV. Um, I've been watching. I actually watched that. Is it nineteen twenty three last night? Oh yes, so, yes. Yeah. So I watched that. I um. So I'm a. I listen to like I got up this morning early. Listen to a podcast. I have a favorite podcast that I listen to. What so, is it? Um, I I listen to Ed Milet a lot. What is it? Um, Ed Milet. Okay. It's Ed Milet. He wrote the book Max Out. Um, the Power of One More. Um, if I'm telling you, I'm not. I mean, I don't know Ed. You know, I wouldn't. I would know him if he was standing here because I know what he looks like, but. He always has really good guests on. He's it's what I would call extremely powerful type stuff. Um, he he just he's one of those. His dad was an alcoholic. He talks about that a little bit. Um, you know, a lot of times 
I'm not really a workout guy, but when I go to the gym and work out, you know, everybody has to take their picture in the mirror. I do it once in a while with fully dressed, obviously, because, <laughs> but, and then I, I always write, I always write on there. I'll quit tomorrow. Um, and you know, I had to have this conversation with my daughter last night because, you know, she's, I told her, I said, we'll quit tomorrow. Cause if you quit tomorrow, you never quit. Right. So, so good. That's yeah. So good. So good. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that that's one of those things that came out of, you know, it's a Navy SEAL thing, too. You know, they're, they're like, quit tomorrow. So it, it, when things get tough, that's what I tell myself. I'm going to quit my job tomorrow. Um, right. So. I like it. Yeah. That's good. Uh, like you, say, you say that to the wrong people, and they're like, well, you should never quit. You should right. be a quitter. I they don't, they understand. don't understand. They don't yeah. understand. Right. Yeah. Um, okay, we're also starting this new thing. Um, we're going to all list one person that we're grateful for. And why? So, Chad, since you're our guest, you get to go first. One person that I'm grateful for? Yep. I only get one, huh? Yeah. Well, yeah, because every single day you should be grateful for somebody. So today, who are you grateful for? Yeah. You know what? So I sent my mom. It's Valentine's Day. So I sent my mom a, a text this morning that said, thank you for being my first Valentine. Oh, um, oh that's sweet. Oh, my son does oh. that. Oh. I know someday that could be trip. I'm gonna send, I'm gonna send trip yeah. to to Ogden so he can learn some you ways. You know what? That actually might not be a bad idea. I'm o- I'm okay with it. I told Brooklyn, she owes me. Yeah, yeah, that would be <laughs> fine. No, you know what? My my parents. I say parents, but uh, I promise you, my mom is is grateful that she got me raised to the point where I'm not in prison. I'm telling you. Because I was that kid that I, I burnt, I burnt the neighbor's field down when I was little. I hid in a camper. They were yelling my name. The ambulance was there. The fire department's there. She, when they oh. found me in the camper, she was so happy I was alive. She didn't beat my ass, and I would have. Like, oh, yikes! Yeah, I'd so be thankful for her yeah. too. Yeah, that's no just, joke. That is one of the many times when. I'm telling you, it's like she, my mom is a saint, and I, I'm telling you, I'm glad I didn't have to raise me. Oh, yeah. You didn't have even one that was close to being like you? No. Yeah, no. Well, yeah, here's the thing. Tre- Tre- Trevor, my oldest, but I didn't know about half the stuff until now, so, but he, oh. um, yeah, so, but, yeah, I'm, no, I'm pretty sure, no, I was. That's good. Yeah. I, and I wasn't, yeah, I had my share of mischief for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, Lena, who are you thankful for? You know, I'm not trying to follow suit, but my mom. Because when I got stuck today, I threw some shouts out, and my mom was the first one to check on me and be like, is anybody coming to get you? I think, Aww. you know, my husband wanted to, he, you know, he wanted to teach me a lesson. He's like, you need to sit there for a while. <laughs> And think about learning how to drive down the middle of the road. He looked so happy in the videos you sent. He was not. But, yeah, my mom was like, I'm sorry. You know, she gets it. And my mom, the same way. I was not an easy kid to raise. And now that I have one that has that same level of fierceness and, like, challenging behavior, it's so hard for me. But it's such a good thing because I appreciate my mom so much more because she loved me the right way to get me through it. Love it. I'm not going to follow suit because I don't want to be a follower. Um, I'm going to say uh, my sister, Emily. Um, 
Aww. And she she's my best friend. We there's 12 years of difference between us, kind of like you and I, as you know. Uh-huh. Um, but she is my seven. Thank you for that. <laughs> You're welcome. I just had to make sure everyone knew yeah. how old you were. Um, she's my 7:15 yeah, okay. a.m. phone call Monday through Friday. She's um like she, she's my ride or die, and she she's and her and her husband guy like I mean all through college those were the people that I called like if something was going wrong and uh not they were just like coaches of life and also you know she's my best friend so I'm gonna say my sister that's awesome Mm -hmm. that's beautiful yeah and you know it was I hope my girls have have something like that I hope my girls have something like that and uh somebody actually made the point because when we just had our first kid I was like I'm only gonna have one kid I don't want any more and somebody said how would you be a different person today if you didn't have siblings and I'm like, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I want to make sure that my kid at least has somebody to pick on. So I think it's the other way around. But um, Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Chad. We're going to have to. Yes, thank you so much. Yeah, I'm going to hire you to come do some mental toughness with my volleyball players this next year. You, you know what? And your co-host. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I've actually been, I've been fortunate enough to go talk to a couple teams and stuff. And it's like. You know, it's too bad kids don't listen to their parents like they'll listen to other people for sure. Mm-hmm. But it's, uh, one of those, yeah. it's one of those things where, you know what, I, I, I laugh and joke about this sometimes, but I, I told both of my kids, I said, I, I can't wait till the day when, when I get the phone call and, and, like, when I called my dad and said, hey, like, you're not nearly as dumb as I thought you were. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm also yeah. cannot wait for that day and my kids are four and three. Yes. So. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we all get to that oh. point where we're like, you know, we just want the best for our children. Mm-hmm. Um okay. oh, man. And, and Coach Kobza will not say this publicly, but she I I'm telling you, had they never won a volleyball game or she'd never had the experience, the best choice I ever made was to send her there because it was a different culture, but Haley truly loved her like she was her own, and it wasn't easy, and it wasn't meant to be, and you will watch that kid's work ethic and, and all of those things, and that comes from coaching. And I've had lots of different people coach my kids, and I'm telling you she's at the very top of my list when it comes to, to, to truly doing what's best for the team maybe not what's best for every individual because it's not about them. But I look back, I look back and I look at that group of girls and, and Brooklyn still stays in contact with them. They were such a little family and the way they went out and, and had their team events and did their stuff and the way she held them accountable for their summer workouts and those types, those types of things like, Parents shouldn't be looking at programs necessarily for winning and losing because that takes care of itself, but they should be looking at where can I put my kid that is going to help develop them into the human being that I want them to be. And, and I told Brooklyn when she went there, there's no pro volleyball for you. Like this is about getting an education and figuring out what your life's going to be about. And I can tell you that's what I got out of that deal. And, and it, I don't even know. I don't even know what we ended up paying for school or what we paid, but it was worth every nickel. Oh, thanks, Chad. That's outstanding. That's that is outstanding. You make me cry. 
I'm blessed to know you, Cobza. I'm blessed to know you. Well, yeah, I love Brooklyn like my own, so. And that means a lot to us, so. Yeah, sometimes I'm like, yeah, she's my other child. Well, I actually have a picture. I have oh a gosh. picture of the. I have a picture of the three of us at senior night, and Brooklyn's been. Brooklyn will see it. They'll see it on Facebook. They're like, "Is that your mom?" And she's like, "No, that's my coach." And I'm thinking, well, she's hot enough to be my, my wife. But. I'll have to share that photo. That's like the ongoing joke. Oh God, I oh. have to work with her today. I know. It's going to be so much fun. Go. So much fun. <laughs> Well, thank you, Chad, so much. Uh, this was great. Yes, thank you. Miss getting to talk you to you and see you guys. So we'll give Brooklyn yeah, a big next, hug for us. Yeah, and if you guys are ever in Utah, let's go to dinner. Or let's something. do it. Yeah, I'm all for it. Okay. okay. All right. See you, Chad. All right. See Bye. you. Bye. All right, Lena. Well, that was awesome, wasn't it? That was so good. He's so like, good. I'm telling you, I'm like, just all of his words of wisdom are just. That's just how he speaks. Like, this is one I'm excited for my girls to listen to. Yeah, it's good. So many things he said, and they do. That's why we talk about having a village of people around us mm-hmm. that, to make our kids want to be better, and he talked so much about that that they don't always listen to us as parents, so nope. they need people around them. They're going to set the bar high, too. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Well, I'm going to close this up. Um, I'll see you soon, baboon, right, yep. maybe? Don't forget we're yep. meeting today I'm in person. Driving. I, I'm mean, I'm driving four miles an hour so I don't get stuck. <laughs> Beautiful. Are you gonna? Yeah, I'm gonna close this off. Out here? <laughs> yeah. So okay. thanks for listening to another episode of Coaching Caffeine and Comedy, and I'm your host Haley Kobza. And I'm Lena. All right. See ya. See you. Bye.